Welcome to part three of our series entitled Relation Slips. Not relationships, but relation slips because it's a kind of a play on words, but we all have relationships and they don't tend to really stay in place. How many know they always are moving, adjusting, slipping out of place? And so the first Sunday we talked about uh, really a relationship with people and brothers and sisters and family and covenant relationships. Made sure that all of you get in small groups. And I'm really fired up that all of you are, are, are taking that seriously because really we're meant to do life together, not alone. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Come on, let's clap our hands for all the small group leaders in the house. We love you. We love you. We love you. And then the second Sunday we talked about parenting because how many know parenting is difficult and we need God to raise up the next generation. And we had our marriage conference. It was absolutely incredible. This place was packed out. How many enjoyed Pastor, Pastor Kevin Gerald last week? Wasn't he great? But we're going to take one of his messages. We had three messages at the conference and um, then a panel discussion and some other great stuff. A lot of fun games. But we're going to take one of those and that will be our marriage portion of this series on relationships. So you can go to our website and check that out if you missed it. But today I want to talk to you about the most important relationship in your life. That's the relationship with God. And a lot of times that relationship starts well and doesn't end well. Sometimes it never begins. And I want to tell you this, this one particular relationship will affect every other relationship. Like if we don't get this right, our vertical relationship with God right, our horizontal relationships will never work. As a matter of fact, go with me in your notes. You got some notes when you came in today, your Bibles. Matthew 6, 33 is a theme verse. It says, seek first. Shout first. first. Come on, you can do better than that. Shout first. first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. You've heard of first and ten? This is first and then. We oftentimes seek all the other stuff first, and then God's like somewhere on the list, but he's not at the top. And Jesus is just saying, listen, you need to put, put, put me first in your life. His rulership, his righteousness, his reign. Put God first, and then all these other things will fall into place. Let me ask you a couple questions. Number one, have you ever had something and done something out of order? Like you were doing something, you did it out of order, like you got a button-up shirt. Anybody have a, like a button-up shirt, and you start buttoning it up, and you realize you got the wrong button started, and at the end, you got one side way longer than the other, walking into you know, school or a business meeting, like, hey, what's up, everybody? Good morning. Here's what I found. If you start with the top button and work your way down, all the other buttons will fall in place. This is a top button issue. When Jesus is first, everything else in your life falls into place. He's the one who gives opportunity. He's the one who blesses. He's the one we want to please. Let me ask you another question. Have you ever had something that was in order and then it got out of order? Like you ever do, like ladies, men, you ever do like, like the laundry and then have your dog or your kids just roll in and just wipe it all out? No? I, okay, I'm the only one. That's great. You guys are amazing. You need to come over and help me do laundry then. Protect the laundry load. I was preaching one time. I was 19 years old. And um, there's a lot of fear in public speaking. Like it's, the, it's one of the top two, I think, number one fears of people is like to speak in front of a crowd. So I'm 19 years old, kind of learning how to do this. And I come up, I'm ready to preach, man. I have been in the Word. I got like 25 pages of notes. It's about to be like a whole series in one Sunday. How many know what I'm talking about? And it was really hot in this church. 
and, and they had a fan, like an old school, like rotating fan, like stand up, five foot tall rotating fan, like that was supposed to go in your house, but they had it on stage because it was so hot. And it wasn't blowing on the pulpit when I first got to the pulpit. I bring my 25 pages of notes, sit, sit it down here. I turn around and the, the wind hits it. All of my notes go on the floor. Again, number one fear of most people, speaking in front of people. I think a greater fear would be not being prepared and speaking in front of people. Now all my notes that were in order are out of order on the ground, and I'm freaking out. Now let me just tell you like a little secret into public speaking. When I'm so ADD, anybody else ADD? Well, it's a lot of you. Well, I guess you attract what you, you are. All right. <laughs> None of us can pay attention to this church. <laughs> That's great. That makes me feel like this is really worthwhile. All right. So I'm there. I'm, I'm like, when I'm speaking, there are so many other things going on in my head. Like, I can't even say most of the stuff that pops in my head. There's several conversations. There's so many voices. <laughs> like, when somebody gets up and goes to the bathroom, I'm like, in my head, I'm preaching, I'm talking, but in my head, I'm arguing. Like, oh my gosh, I offended them. They're walking out. They hate the church. They think I'm an idiot. You know, all this is going on, and I'm still preaching. God loves you. you know? So I'm having an argument in my head. The paper's going to the ground, and in my mind, I'm like, oh, dear God, what am I going to do? But I keep talking. Like, hey, great. I'm going to see everybody. And I get all my notes back on the pulpit, but they're out of order, and I didn't number them. So I'm trying to put them in number, but I don't remember the order. Like, I'm just, I start somewhere in the middle of the message, like, oh, preaching hard. And then I do, like, altar call, salvation call, and then I go back to intro. Like, hey, everybody, my name's Sean Epps. Where am I in the sermon? All out of order. Somebody say the order matters. Have you ever had somebody, like, tell you a joke and mess up the joke because they tell you the punchline first? They think, <laughs> and they tell you the joke, and you're like, you ruined it for me. Say the order matters. Well, let me, write this, let, me, let me have you write this down. Not only does the order matter, but we need to protect what's priority. We protect what's priority in our life. We protect what's important. My wife and I have been married for 18 years. She is blessed. I'm the one who's blessed, but she's preaching actually in Louisiana this weekend, and she's at a women's conference speaking, and she's amazing. We've been married for 18 years. On our fifth year anniversary, we decided to go to the illustrious hills of Napa, California. We're in a bed and breakfast, and, and um, this was a very romantic night. We go out for a, a nice Italian dinner, come back, and it's pitch dark outside. The bed and breakfast has the main house and then cottages, individual cottages with one room and a bathroom. And, and, and uh, you can stay in those. So we pull up in this rocky driveway, rocky parking area. We get out, walking slowly, crunching the rocks underneath our feet. And all of a sudden, in the darkness, there is a scary-looking male who comes out from behind a shed with a shovel in his hand. He says, evening. I mean, I just lost it. I, run, Diana, run. She's in her high heels and her skirt. I'm, and I, have you ever been like really terrified? Because I'm about to fight. Like it's about to go down. It's knuckle up. What's up? You want some? And you're, you're trying to be hard, but you also are trying to also avoid conflict. You know what I'm saying? You want, you want some? What? You go, say something then. So we, 
We race into our room. Again, there's no phones, no cell coverage there. It was like the perfect setting for a horror movie. For the next two or three hours, we are looking through like the blinds, like, oh my gosh, where did that crazy guy go? We're about, should we leave? No, if we go outside, he's got a shovel. You know, it's all this stuff's going through my head. We don't sleep. It wasn't romantic at all. That, that, that was ruined. That, that'll kill the mood. In the morning time, we go into the main house. And when we go in the main house, we have breakfast with everybody. And as I'm getting my fruit and my muffin, I hear this guy, same voice, say, didn't mean to scare you last night. And I'm like, what? You scared? Who, who was scared? We just run. We like to run at night in the gravel in our high heels. We like that stuff. We're trying to work off our carbs. In my head, I'm thinking, you idiot, you can't just roll up on somebody talking about evening, you know. <laughs> At least put the shovel down. But my point is, I was ready to protect Diana. I was ready. I didn't want to fight, but if it's going down, you better believe I'm going to protect what's important to me. I value her. I protect her. I, I val- you protect what's priority in your life. Can I hear a good amen? Yes. Well, we ought to protect our relationship with God. In Revelation chapter 2, we have seven churches that Jesus is talking to. He says this to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write, I know your works, your labor, your patience, like this is good stuff. And you have persevered and have, have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Okay, listen to me. When God says he has something against us, we ought to pay attention. He says, I have this against you that you have left your first love, meaning him, like you've left me. And then he says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Do what you did at first, or else I will come and quickly remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We're talking about eternal life, heaven. Okay, look at me for a second. We have seven different letters going to seven different churches. These are not the most popular churches. They're not the most influential churches, but every church represents a condition of the heart. In this particular letter, he's writing to the people of Ephesus, and he says, like God's talking, he says, I'm going to address a condition in your heart where I was first, but other things have pushed me out of first place. In other words, this relationship has slipped. What's interesting, though, in verse 2 and 3, he commends them. He said, hey, what you guys are doing is good. I've seen your deeds, I've seen your work, I've seen your persevering, you've suffered a lot for my namesake. That's all awesome. The problem is, you have left your first love. I'm not first in your life. Like, all this other stuff is great, but all this other stuff means nothing if you lose this. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Now, before we act too spiritual and try to point fingers at other people, let me just tell you, this is really easy to do. I personally know what that feels like to have God first and for him to slip out of place. And it's not that he's moved. It's because I have crowded him out with other things in my life to the point where I'm walking around and, and, and you don't, you're not so excited any longer about the things of God. Like there was a moment where you gave the controls of your life to Jesus and he changed your life. He really did. He forgave you, he cleansed you, he restored you, he made all things new. It's amazing. And all I wanted to do was pray, worship, talk to people about Jesus randomly at the store, go to church, serve people. But over time, some things change. So 
like the, the married couple who gets married, and in the beginning of the marriage and the dating process, man, they just can't be around each other enough. Then they get married and can't keep their hands off each other. Like, ooh, this girl would go, ah. They can't, it's almost like they can't be away from each other for five minutes. They're in love, and they start singing all the dumb love songs. How many know when you're in love, all the songs make sense? So you just start singing songs. Hey, I have to go. I have to go. No, don't go. Don't go. I have to go. I love you, Pookie. I'm going to hold my breath. You know, just saying stupid stuff. <laughs> you, call, you call each other just to breathe. What you doing? Nothing. We got to go to bed. I know. You hang up first. Mm -mm. You hang up first. No, 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 girl. You hang up first. I'm not hanging up. You, okay, here's what we're going to do. Same time. One, two, three. You still there? I'm still here. I'm still here. Like, how does it go from that to... What's for dinner? <laughs> like, like, what happened? Spook used to spend so much time, effort, trying to just create a date night experience. Like, guys, come on. Let's be honest. Some of you in the room, you used to be Mr. Casanova. Now you're just Mr. Sit on the sofa. Come on. <laughs> Something changed in the process of time. Ladies, help me out. What happened? What happened that would go from we couldn't even just be away from each other for a second to now making kissy songs on the, on the phone? Now, it's like, I'm out of here. It, we would take five minutes just to say bye. Like, I'm hugging you. I love you. I'm going to go. Let's go. I'm just going to the bathroom. I love you so much. I'll be right back. Now it's like, peace. I'm out. Or where did he go? Where did your father go? He just left. He didn't say goodbye. Like, what happened? How do we go from that to this? So interesting. Like the this, this story of a, a lady who was like asking her husband, do you love me? And he was like, I, I told you I loved you on our wedding day. If anything changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> That's wrong. That is wrong. I'm talking to some people who know what it feels like to have the honeymoon stage over. Where you've lost passion, you've lost your love, you've lost some of that, that feeling, and I'm telling you what used to motivate you, the love that used to motivate you has now become mechanical and mundane. The same thing can happen to your relationship with God. You've lost passion, you've lost your interest, you've lost your first love, you've left something, you've left that relationship with God, and what used to be motivating you to love Him more has become mechanical, it's become mundane, it's ritualistic, it lacks enthusiasm, and now we're just going through the motions of life. Sometimes we do this where we forget what it's all about and we think, well, I'm just going to fill my head with knowledge. And knowledge becomes the epic uh, pursuit of life. I just want more information, more information. And we have forgotten that we love Jesus by loving people because he said to Peter, do you love me? And Jesus was, he, Peter said, I of course I love you. And Jesus says, I'm not taking your word for it. I'll know that you love me when you care about what I care about. That's the needs and nurture of people. Amen. God knows how much you love him by how you treat people. I know we want another test, but that is the test. But you have to understand, these people that God's talking to, they're not couch potatoes. Like, they were doing some great stuff. They, their deeds, their perseverance, their suffering for his namesake. He says, but the problem is, the relationship thing has slipped out of place. You have left your first love. You left it. 
Now this is a this is a crucial crucial to our walk with God because when we lose our love for God and our first love, we don't feel right on the inside. Come on, how many have ever eaten something before and you're like, I just don't feel right on the inside? When God's not first, write this down, you start to feel religious but empty. You start to feel religious but empty. Like you look good on the outside, but you're empty on the inside. Have some props up here today. Have some bag of chips. How many love chips? Come on, give it up for chips, ladies and gentlemen. This particular bag will remain nameless. <laughs> Have you ever been walking down the chip aisle and, and you, you look at these huge, huge bags of chips and you grab the chips, family size, party size. You grab the chips, then you come and you open the bag of chips and you realize you got three chips. <laughs> like what? Why is the bag so big? This is not just chips. This is all containers. Can I hear a good, good amen from all the people angry at the products of America? Okay, here we go. So now you got, you got three chips in here. You look down. It's, it's family size, party size. You take one chip out, and you give it to Billy, and you say, share this with your brothers. <laughs> like, what are you supposed to do with that? There's, you open the bag, and you realize... Most of it was just air. It looks big on the outside, but on the inside, it's not, as, it's not as full as you thought it was. Can I tell you, a lot of times we look at bags like this, and you know why they're so big? You know why they're so fluffy? There's no reason for them to be in that type of container. There's no reason for them to be in that type of packaging. The packaging is too big. But why is it so big? Because they're trying to get the attention of man. There's a lot of us in the room that are trying to get the attention of man, and we ought to be spending our time trying to get the attention of God. Sometimes we feel like we look good on the outside. How you doing? Praise the Lord. Good in you. And on the inside, we are dying spiritually. We're, we're religious. We know how to go through the motions, but on the inside, we're, we're empty on the inside. It's a horrible feeling. I have another product here that will also remain nameless. This is like a soda, a cola. Have you ever poured a cola and you fill up your glass real fast? You're like, oh my gosh, okay, stop, 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 stop. Okay, 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 it's going to spill over, it's going to spill over. And you're like, oh my gosh, it's full, it's full. But if you wait a second, you realize it ain't full. That was just all fluff. There's a lot of cola Christians walking around who at first glance looks like they have it together. The closer you look, you realize that was just fluff. There's no substance there. It is half empty. Come on, am I talking to anybody in the room that knows what that feels like? To be religious but empty on the inside. I looked apart on the outside, and here's what we learned. That God was never interested in just changing you externally. He wants your heart. He wants you from the inside out. We don't work from the outside in. We work from the inside out. Religious but empty. And then, write this down, you start to feel fake. Oh, this is a horrible feeling. I just feel fake. I'm just, I feel fake. I feel fake. Listen, this is right where the devil wants you. He doesn't want you to grow in your relationship with God. He's trying to destroy that relationship with God. So he's try, he starts whispering in your ear like, who do you think you are raising your hands in church? Who do you think you are going to church? Who do you think you are praying to God? Do you know who you are? Do you know what you did last month? Do you know that? Pretty soon we start to run away from God because we're like, I don't want to be fake. I don't want to be fake, so I'm going to run away from God instead of running towards him. I'm telling you, we feel like that is a justifiable solution. I don't want to be fake, so I'm just going to run away from God. That doesn't make any sense at all. 
That doesn't make any sense at all. Like, we, we, we feel like we're justified. We're, we're, man, I'm not living right, so I'm just going to run totally away from God. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He's trying to destroy your relationship with God. Can I suggest to you what really is fake? You're like, that's fake. No, no, no. Let me tell you what fake is. Fake is knowing God, knowing his grace, knowing his love, knowing his forgiveness, and still running the other way. That's being fake. I'm telling you, don't run away from God, run towards God. Don't run away from God, run towards his grace. Run towards his forgiveness, run towards his new life. Come on, is there anybody in the room that's grateful that we have a God who gives us new life? Run towards him. We run towards God, and otherwise we feel like religious but empty. We feel fake on the inside, and write this down, we get comfortable. We actually get comfortable over here, away from our relationship with Jesus. And, and we don't like how that feels, but we do nothing to change. We don't like the feeling on the inside, but we do nothing to change. It would be like you, every time you have acid reflux, you're eating the bad stuff, and, and oh, I just feel so sick afterwards. And then the next meal, you eat the same thing. Oh, I just feel sick afterward. At some point, you have to change what you are ingesting. God is so amazing. He's come to us with his love and his grace. But if we're not careful, we begin to lose our hope. We begin to lose our aim in life. We become frustrated. We lose our desire for church. When we're religious but empty, we get comfortable doing that. I'm just not going to go to church today. I'm not going I'm 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 to tell anybody about the Lord. We lose our sense of urgency for reaching lost people. We become negative, just rolling to church and negative and forget that there's been thousands of people that have given their life to Jesus Christ. So many people baptized, so many marriages that have been healed that were on the brink of divorce, so many people that have gotten off of drugs, alcohol, student, there was 300 students in here on Wednesday night praising God. We can bypass all of that with a negative attitude and say, why does it got to be so loud in here? And miss everything that God is doing in a place there, where there didn't used to be this. Pretty soon... Pretty soon, our focus is on knowledge instead of serving people. We, we get away from loving people. We stop serving people, and we end up bailing on Jesus, bailing on the mission, bailing on serving people. Here's the crazy thing about bailing on Jesus is that your heart bails long before your body does. Some of you know exactly what that feels like because some of you, your heart bailed on Jesus a long time ago. Your body just keeps showing up at church. And today... With all of the mercy that I could muster, I want to encourage you, you're not the only one. We know what that feels like to have a, a, a form of godliness but denying his power. We start to compromise a little bit, don't we? We start to compromise a little bit here and there. And it's not that, it's not that we stop believing in God. It's that we temporarily forget him. And we, we start making decisions that destroy our relationship with God and with the people. And we call, it causes us to take our calling of God not seriously anymore. Look at the verse. It literally says, he says, there's a people, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. It, you look the part on the outside, but on the inside, it's just fluff. It's just religiosity. It's works-based salvation. Matthew 24, verse 12 says it this way. But because of the increase of wickedness, watch this, watch this, the love of many will grow cold. Because of the wickedness in the world, there's a lot of people who their love for God will grow cold. This is not one big step. A lot of times we think like turning away from God is one big step or making a life of, of sin is one big step. It's not. 
It's not this. It's not like, hey, I'm, fa- I'm following God, and then I jump over here. Woo, this is all sin. I'm doing bad. This is how the process works. It's one small step at a time. You take enough small steps, you will be aimed in the opposite direction. We get to a place where we see we're growing. And this is what it says. The heart of people can grow cold. Growing is a process. You've never, like sometimes we say, like we look at somebody we haven't seen in a long time. We're like, hey, you grew overnight. Well, they didn't. It's not that you were four feet one day and boom, six, six the next morning. Pajamas are all shrunk, you know, look like Spanx. There, there's, there was never a moment like where that happened. Growth is a process. We say that as an expression, but that didn't happen. We look at them, they grew over a summer, they grew over a year, they grew over two years, but they did not grow overnight. For some people, they grow cold. And their struggle, listen to me, their struggle, they don't struggle when God's blessing them and they're walking through a good season. They struggle in the hard times. When things go rough, they start questioning everything. Where's God in this? Does he even exist? I'm questioning everything. I don't, know if he, I don't even know if he loves me. I'm questioning the church. I'm questioning everything. Like that's, that's when they lose it. Other people, watch this, they don't struggle in the hard times. They actually do well. They thrive in, in hard times. They cling to God in the hard times. But when they're blessed on the mountaintop, that's when they turn away from God because they can't handle the blessing. Which one is it for you? I know which one it is for me. But the devil doesn't care which one you take, you take the bait on. He's just trying to destroy your life. Listen, how many know that God doesn't want that for your life? Is there anybody in the room that's grateful that our God came to rescue, to save, and to restore? And if the Bible says your heart can grow cold, that means it can grow hot too. There is hope for us to grow hot in our relationship with God. So what do we do? What do we do? Let me give you a few things to do. Because he tells us in Revelation chapter 2, if you've left, here's what we do. Number one, remember. Somebody say, remember. Remember Remember what? Remember where you've fallen from. Remember God. Remember God's love. Remember his mercy. Remember his grace. Remember how God went out of his way to make you a priority. And in John 3, 16, he says, for God so loved the world. He didn't hate the world. He loved the world. He says, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm wondering if you can get back to a place where you can remember the love of God. Because it is so easy to grow cold in our gratitude and our gratefulness and our awe of who God is. It's so easy to lose that because, because familiarity breeds contempt. Because we get around church for long enough and we think, oh, it's just the cross. Ah, oh, it's just another song about Jesus. It's just another sermon. It's just another Sunday. It's just another small group. I really don't even need to, need to show up there. I don't need to serve. And we forget that if it had not been for the Lord, we would have lost our minds. If it had not been for God in our life, we would have lost it all. We would have forgotten him. We would have forgotten our way. We would have lost our mind, sunk into depression and hopelessness. I'm telling you, some of us wouldn't be standing here or sitting here today next to you right Right now, turn and tell somebody I can't forget. Come on, tell him I can't forget. I can't forget his mercy. I can't forget his love. I can't forget the way he loved me when I didn't have a mind for him. I can't forget the moment that he snatched me on a bar stool at three o'clock in the morning when I didn't even have a mind for Jesus. He came chasing me down. I can't forget. Remember this. Remember this love because how easy it is for us to forget 
that we have not arrived here on our own. It was by the grace of God that raised us from death to life. It was the grace of God that raised us out of darkness and into the marvelous light of his dear son. And I'm telling you, it's not him who owes me. It is I who owe him everything possible. Come on, say remember. Remember. Remember him. Remember where we came from. Remember when that moment when you were so taken with Jesus? You would have done anything for him. Rescued your life and loved you to the depths of humanity. And I ask you, what's changed? Has he changed? Has the gospel changed? Has the needs of people changed? Or have you changed? He says, you have left your first love. The order was right, but something pushed him out of first place. What do we do? Number two, right, number three, write this down. We repent. We repent. He says, Sean, that's a harsh word, man. I've gone up in church. I've heard peaches. Let's repent, repent, repent. Repent means this. Turn around. It's not a harsh word. It's not a scary word. It's a good word. You've heard this before. I was driving in San Francisco, and um, as I was driving, I, I turned down this road, and this, this man starts screaming at me. There's a lot of crazy people in the world. He just screamed, turn around. Turn around. You turn around now. I'm like, OMG, Diana, there's a crazy person to the right. Do not look over there. Crazy. He don't know me. And then it occurs to me. That I'm going down the wrong way, down a one way. How many have ever done that before? That's fun, right? You do a, the fastest 17-point turn you possibly can to turn the other way. My whole view of him changed. He went from being a crazy person to now my best friend. Thanks, buddy. Pre keep up the good work. Keep America safe. Like, everything changed about my view about him. When you hear a preacher get up and say, hey, repent, please don't see us as, repent. turn around, you, turn around now. Like, don't see us as that. See us as the people that are on your side saying, turn around, we're trying to keep you from crashing. We're trying to keep you from going down the wrong way. You're going the wrong way, man. Come on, turn around to God. Acts 3.19 is a great verse. It says this. That we were to repent, turn to God. Here's the benefit. So that your sins may be wiped out. Oh, this is a great feeling to have your sins wiped clean. And not only that, but watch this. The times of refreshing will come from the Lord. How many can use some times of refreshing? So if we've left, we remember, we repent. God, forgive me, and he will forgive you. And then you need to decide what to do. Decide what you're going to do. What are you going to do from here on? Like, don't just talk about it. I used to play basketball a lot in high school. We had this saying, like I was pretty good. And our team, our squad was pretty good. And um, it's not bragging, it's just a, it's just a fact. Um, it's a reality. So while we were there, uh, we played a lot of people. And when you feel like you're pretty good, you feel like I want competition. I want to play better people. Like bring it on. So this group came on and they were talking smack. That's just like, you know, we can beat y'all. We can, you're, you're no good. And I, I, I spoke up. Because there's, some, there's something we used to say back in the day, and it was this. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. 
Come on, say that with me out loud, everybody. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. No, 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 no. When you say the second phrase, you have to change the position of your neck. One more time. Here we go. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, they, um, they, they were about it because they whipped our behinds. It's a phrase. Don't just talk about it. Like, environments don't change people. The decisions you make in this environment change people. There's a lot of people who encountered Jesus. They were around him and left unchanged. It's the people who change their mind. They, they make a decision in this environment. That's what leads to the change in their life. I, I'm telling you, we need to decide what to do. Do what you did at first. Like, go back. And if you've never started, then start fresh. But go back to the place where you see God and then do what you did at first. But not just what you did, do how you did it. Don't just serve people, do it with the heart of God. Don't just worship, worship with an attitude of gratefulness. I remember being 18 years old, waking up at five o'clock in the morning to pray for an hour. I remember taking every Monday and fasting. I remember every time I was out, I'm looking for somebody who doesn't know God that I would feel prompted to talk to about the love of God. I remember all of those moments, but if you're not careful, you can begin to let that slip in your life. Make a decision. What are you gonna do today? What do we need to do? Well, here's some things to help invest in a healthy relationship. You give attention and priority to it. Like, please don't say you believe in God and then you don't give him time. Like, be intentional about this. That's the word for the year. We want to be intentional. Be intentional. Be, be intentional. Remember that, cheerleaders? Be aggressive. Be, be aggressive. Just remember, be intentional. I know it doesn't fit. There's too many syllables, but it still works. I believe it's important to put God first in every area. So make some time to worship him. What, do you, what does that look like? It's expressive. All through the Bible, worship, worship is expressive. Praise it cannot be praised unless it's spoken or shown. So it's like hands lifted. It's speaking out. Put some worship music on and just love God. Lord, I thank you for you, who you are. I love you. I love you. I love you. Thank him for everything you think of. Then talk to him. Talk to God. Just pray. I can't pray. Yeah, you can. You can talk. Just talk to God. Don't over-spiritualize it. Read your Bible and then do what it says. Like let obedience like, like mark your life. Get in small groups. Get, get in relationship with people because God didn't call us to do life alone. And then get on the dream team. Get, go through our growth track, which, by the way, happens the first Sunday of every month starts again. So we've had so many decisions for God. We've had 300 people, over 300 people join the church this year alone. <clears throat> That's amazing. We had last, last week was record attendance, by the way. 3,968 people were at church last Sunday. Like, I don't know where the other 32 people were to break 4,000 on an average Sunday, but like, how could nobody have gone to Walmart and Jack in the Box and said, hey, come on over? He says, Sean, why are you so interested in numbers? Because every number represents a soul. Every number represents a family. Every number counts. The Bible even has a book called Numbers. It's not just numbers for numbers' sake. It's we believe in reaching people. How many glad we didn't stop reaching out before you got here? Oh, we got enough people already, Sean. We got to, no, we're actually looking at another service. We're actually looking at another campus. We're praying, God, if you keep giving us influence and people keep showing up, we'll love as many people as possible, laying our life down so that others may know. Give them time. Go through the growth track. It starts the first Sunday of every month. And all the people that have given their life to Jesus, I'm expecting next Sunday to be packed. 
1015 or 515 right next door in our growth track room. I want to talk to you about, my wife wants to talk to you about who we are, where we're going. You could join the church at that moment. You need to get in a place where this is important. Because a lot of us are waiting for like the big thing. Waiting for like the next big thing in our relationship with God. And we forget that relationship is in the small things. It's in the everyday things. It's spending time with him. It's putting him first. Daily devotion, my friend said yesterday, daily devotion does not make God love you more. Daily devotion causes you to love him more. His love for you is already perfect, but you spend time with him, you will fall back in love with him again. Grow hot for him. You've got to give this attention. You've got to give it time and decide what you're going to do. And watch this. Give it a time and a place. Otherwise, it won't happen. My wife and I, um, we, we date. And in the beginning of our dating experience, it was like super easy to date. And the, the longer you're together, the harder it is because you have work, family, church, all this stuff. So if it's important, put it on the calendar. So now we have a date night every week and we keep that holy. Some people say, I don't have time to spend time with God. Listen to me. You always make time for what's first in your life. You make time for it. You make time for it. People say, I don't have time. Make time. And write this down. You just invest. Any relationship takes investment. Time, it takes energy, it takes money, it takes planning. I always think it's funny, like when like, there's a guy and his girlfriend, and he starts saying he didn't have time to go out, he didn't have money to go out. I always think it's funny, like when she's threatening to leave, how all of a sudden he has all this extra time and money. Where did it come from? It came from the, the time tree <laughs> and the money tree. No, he just refocused the priority, didn't he? Some of us are like, we, I don't have any time. We'll make time for what's important. We've left our first love. So come back. Remember God. Repent. Then do the things at first. Because we, we say he's first. We need to really look at our lifestyle. Take your left hand real quick. Take your left hand. This represents what you claim is a value. Okay, number two. Put your other hand right here, your right hand. This represents your actions. So your values and what you, you say is value and your actions, they ought to line up. Would we all agree with that? We all agree? Okay, here's what happens. Most of the time, it's like this. What we say is a value and then what we actually do, they don't line up. We want to come back to where he's first. God, God's, God's first in my life. Really? Where? Where? Like, can you show the world where he's first? Because priorities are not priorities just because we say they are. Show me your checkbook and your calendar. I'll show you who's priority. All of us. Because we give time, energy, finance to what's important. Write this, or look at this verse, Proverbs 3, 6 in the Living Bible says, In everything you do, put God, shout it out, put Him first, and He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. We understand what it means to be first. To put someone first. It's before. It's superiority. It's, it's, it's before anything else. And when God's first in my life, guess what? My spouse gets a better me. When my spouse gets a better me, my kids get a better me. When my kids get a better me, the church gets a better me. If this isn't right, your vertical relationship with God isn't right, your horizontal relationships will never work. Write this down. If we've left, we remember, we repent, we do something, we've done it first, we come back. Number, number one to end with, recognize what's hindering. Recognize what's hindering the relationship with God. Exodus 20 says this, you shall have no other gods before me. I mean, no idols, no idols at all. Now, most of the Old Testament is about idolatry. God is, like many, he's coming against his own children of Israel because of all the idolatry. 
And, and, and some of us are like, man, we live in a society where they say everything goes and, hey, every religion leads to the same place. No, it does not. Jesus was very clear in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except through me. Come on, let's not be deceived by anything else. But sometimes we, we kind of pride ourselves like, okay, I'm not bowing down to a statue, John. I'm not, I don't have idols in my life. That's great. An idol, a physical statue can be an idol, but guess what? Also, anything that gets in our way of our relationship with God becomes idolatry to us. So sometimes it's flat out sin, like, man, it's flat out sin. Here it is. Other times it's stuff that's good, but it's just, it's in the way and God's not first. And that, that thing, that area becomes sin to us no matter how good it may seemingly be because it's pushing God out of first place. So recognize what's hindering. Now, we all have a list. We all have a list. Some of us, God's on the list. He's just not at the top of the list. Okay, write this down. I want to encourage you today to do whatever you have to do to reorder the list. Reorder the list. Put him first again. Put him first. Colossians 1.17. Great verse. Paul's writing, he says, And he is before all things. Talking about Jesus. And in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things, say all things, that he may have preeminence. Preeminence. What is that? Preeminence means first. He deserves first place. It means he's first. He's surpassing all others. He's superior. He's first. You ever see like little kids running? They're racing. And then one of them wins, and, and the one who came in second was like, oh, it's a tie. It's a tie. We, we tied. You're like, no, you didn't. You lost bad. He kicked your behind. A lot of times we think, it's a tie. Yeah, God's first. God. He needs to be a clear first. He deserves to be first. He cannot be second to anyone or anything. When he's first, top button issue, all the other relationships in your life will work. The, the, your spouse, your job, your parents, your kids, your every, everything else begins to fall in place, but he's got to be first. For a lot of us, Jesus is on the list, he's, but he's on the back burner. And I'm just telling you, he's got to be a front burner. He's got to move him to top priority. I got a team that's going to come up here real fast. Let's clap our hands for the team. little illustration here today. They all have a sign. I want you to hold up your letters. This, this is the, this is the, wait a second. Gristoift. Everybody say that with me. Gristoift. Okay, look, this makes no sense. It's not even a word. Gristoift. How you doing today? I feel a little gristoift. But if I was to change the order real fast and show you what God really wants to do, you start to see it makes sense now. It makes sense. What didn't make sense makes sense now. Come on, read it out loud. God first. Now listen to me. Your life will never make sense until he's first. It won't make sense. You can try it. You can try it. 
just telling you, sin, the world, it doesn't work. I'm telling you, when God is first, He changes everything in your life. Everything else starts falling in place, but He's got to be first. So if He's on the list, but He's not first, let me ask you four things. Write this down. Number one, ask yourself, what needs to be pushed out? What in our lives need to be, it needs to be pushed out? Like, it's in our life. It just shouldn't even be there. Stuff's coming to your mind right now. Okay, that's the first one. Next one is what needs to come on the list? What needs to be pushed on the list? We all have a list. What needs to be put off the list? What needs to be put on the list? What is it in your life? Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's worship. Maybe it's small group. Maybe it's dream team. Maybe it's growth track, church. Put it on the list. Now ask this question. What needs to be pushed down on the list? It's at the top, and it shouldn't be at the top. It should be on the list. It just shouldn't be number one. Push that down. And then what needs to be pushed up? Obviously, God needs to be pushed up to where he is at the first part of our list. I believe this is going to change our life today. We've done a relationship series. We've talked about all these other relationships, but I'm telling you, this is the most important one. Come on, let's clap our hands for our team. Thank you so much, everybody. Write this last point down. We reorder the list, and then we protect the order. We protect the order. Sounds like an espionage movie, like an organization, protect the order. It's not. It's protect the order of the list. So once you put him first, let's keep him there. Let's not let the love of our hearts grow cold. It's going to grow stronger and stronger for the Lord. Matthew 6, 33 again says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto him. Matthew 22, 22 verse 37 says, that Jesus is replying to a lawyer who says, hey, what's the most important thing in the world? And Jesus is like, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Not part of you, but all of you. 